Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled Prescribed. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Well, hey, welcome this morning. It's great to see everybody. My name is Steve Husky, and I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. I want to say welcome to everybody that's here, and all those who are watching online, we're glad that you decided to be here or to tune in as we start a brand new series entitled Prescribed. So uh, I know we are still in. Isn't this the sixth season we're in? It's crazy, isn't it? Man, it just won't go away. I know so many people have been impacted by all kinds of different bugs, and especially the flu. And um, so a lot of us have gone recently to see our doctors, right? Stopped by, went to the place. A lot of us, uh, we've gone to the same doctor. Y'all probably know this, right? A lot of us go to the same doctor, Dr. Google. Come on, we all been to Dr. Google. Dr. Google is a lot of us, man, we are guilty of self-diagnosing. We, uh, we, we feel something, we experience something, we feel a lump or a bump, and man, first thing, man, we do is we jump online and we try to figure out what it is and self, uh, self-diagnose, and next thing you know, man, we're calling the funeral home, working out plans, and <laughs> making sure our life insurance is in place, you know, because again, man, we are all guilty of self-diagnosing, and you got to ask yourself a question, um, why? Why is it easy? I, I know, obviously, the internet makes it easy. But why is it that we are so quick to jump online and self-diagnose? Why are we so quick to jump on and try to figure out what's going on for ourselves? And I think really at the end of the day, it comes down to a couple things. I think that uh, while we maybe value doctors and physicians and, and all those in the medical field, I think if we're honest, if we're honest, we don't always trust their opinion. Isn't that true? We just don't always trust what they have to say. And not only that, it's not just a trust issue. I think probably more than that, it's a pride issue. That if we think the doctor knows something, we know more. Come on. I mean, they only went to school for like 27 years. And we, you know, we failed out of, you know, our freshman year in college. But we just know more than our physicians. You know, here, take this. And we take it until we feel better, even though they say take it all. Come on. A lot of us got half bottles of prescriptions sitting at home in a drawer somewhere. You know why? Because, again, it's, a, it's often a trust issue and a pride issue. And so I thought, man, as we step into this series, it would be, I think, important to us as a faith community maybe to recognize everybody here that is any way connected to uh, the medical field. So if you're a doctor, physician, nurse, pharmaceutical, whatever it is, I want you to jump to your feet, man. We, we appreciate all you do to help keep us healthy. Come on, jump up real quick. Jump up. Come on, jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up. Hospital administrators, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. You know, um, the, what you have on you to make sure that you're educated and trained and prepared and the sacrifices you make to make sure we as a community are healthy and whole really are astounding. Um, I love what I do, and for many of you, I wouldn't want to do what you do for a long shot. It's long hours. It's a lot of work. And as a church, we want you to know we love you and we value you and we appreciate all the effort you put into us. And, man, I, I would count it a privilege just to pray 
I want to ask everybody in this room, man, if you'll maybe just extend a hand. If you're by somebody, maybe just lay a hand on their shoulder. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for every person, God, in this room that's standing, every person online that's watching, that God would fit in this category of health care. Lord, we pray that, God, as they continue, Lord, to battle the stress and fatigue of finances and organization and, Lord, sometimes trying patience, Lord, trying our patience with the patience of others, Lord, I know that, God, they're under load. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, God, you give them grace. Father, every day as they love people, whether it's behind a computer on the administrative end or, Lord, whether it's in an office holding a hand, Father, we pray, God, from the beginning of life all the way to the end, Father, bless every person, Lord, in this room with your grace and with your strength. Father, let them know that, God, what they're doing is noble and valuable. And, Father, we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we love them one more time? So here, here's the thing is, again, I think probably every person that just stood up would, would probably say this. I think they would all recognize, again, when it comes down to this, this trust and this, this pride issue. I think probably they would say this, that while they know a lot, they don't know everything. My doctor, he told me this last city we, we lived in. He said, that's why we call it a practice. He said, honestly, we're just kind of still practicing. We're still trying to figure it out. I think probably anybody in the healthcare industry would say, like, we don't have all the answers. And even our all, even if we're all in, which they are, even our all is sometimes not enough. And so you have to ask yourself, like, who can we turn to? Who really has all the answers? Who really is ultimately the solution? And for the next several weeks, as we step into this series prescribed, I want to tell you about a doctor who has captured a name and captivated audience, and ultimately he has become known to many people as the great physician that he has a 100% record that every time he's all in, life changes. Every time he touches people, they recover because he is the great physician. If you don't know who we're talking about yet, this guy that changes lives, transforms heart, heals people, raises people up, his name is Jesus. And being the great physician, just like many other doctors and physicians, being the great physician, what we're going to find over the next several weeks is he not only diagnoses diseases, but he prescribes remedies. And for us, many of us, the reason, again, we don't really walk in the health that we should naturally is because even though our natural physicians diagnose diseases and prescribe uh, remedies, the reason we are not really well is because we don't listen to them because we don't trust and we have pride issues. And I'm going to tell you the same thing is true for Jesus, that if you want to experience the life that Jesus has for you, if we're going to overcome the diseases of the human heart, if we're going to battle through the afflictions that we all suffer through, if we're going to get to the other side to walk in the life that Jesus came for us, then we have to realize something that we can't have trust issues. We have to come and realize that Jesus always knows more than we know, and we have to get over our pride issues and just bow our knee and humble ourselves and say, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it because we want the freedom, life, joy, peace that you came to bring us. In fact, here's what James says. James says this. I think this is big. We're going to hit this every week. Every voice here, shout this with me. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So I'm just going to tell you something today that through the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some diseases of the human heart. More than that, we're going to talk about what the things that Jesus prescribed to overcome those diseases. None of these prescriptions are easy. I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like any of these prescriptions. But like my mama told me, take your medicine. Come on, rub some tussing on it. (laughs) You just got to take your medicine because Jesus wants us to find life. And so he addresses the issues of the heart 
with prescriptions. And so today I want to tackle probably one of the underlying issues. In fact, it is the underlying issue. And it is the issue that we all struggle with temptation. I'm going to need a lot of amens this morning, so I'm not the only one up here. We all struggle with temptation. And honestly, probably worse than struggling with temptation is we often give in to temptation. We just don't struggle with temptation. We give in to temptation. All of us in this room, as we kind of walk through life and navigate our own personal life, family, businesses, opportunities, etc., all of us in this room, we don't find ourselves doing the right thing like we should. We find ourselves often doing the wrong thing. And you know those two, those two things, that is the definition of sin. Doing the wrong thing and not doing the right thing. When it comes to God's standard, when God says, hey, this is what I've called you to. This is what I want for your life. This is how I've called you to live. This is how I've called you to think. This is how I've called you to treat people. When we don't do what God said, that's what sin is. And when we do the wrong thing, when we, when we don't raise to the standard, that's what sin is. So doing the wrong thing and not doing the right thing, that's what sin is. And all of us in this room, I wish you would help me today, all of us in this room, we struggle with sin. I think if we're honest, we don't need a doctor to tell us we've all been diagnosed with the disease of sin. Because everybody in this room, you don't have to be religious. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to believe the Bible's God's word. All of us in this room know that there's something in the condition of the human heart, that there are times that we know we do the wrong thing. And there's opportunities to do the right thing, and we miss it. We duck it. We run from it. Because all of us, have been diagnosed with the disease of sin. So we have to ask the question, because this is the series, what does Jesus prescribe? What is the prescription to deal with the disease of sin? Are you ready? Here's what Jesus says in three simple words. Cut it off. I'm just going to let that hang in the air for a minute. Say, what are you talking about? Here's exactly what Jesus said is he dealt with the diagnosis of sin that we all deal with, that we all struggle with. This is the prescription of Jesus. This is the remedy for sin. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, come on, y'all got to shout it with me, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, caused you to sin, come on, shout it, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, let's just stop for a second. When I look at what Jesus prescribed and I look around this room, there's a couple conclusions we have to come to. Um, <laughs> either, number one, I'm preaching to a, a room of a lot of perfect people. Come on. I mean, it must be a lot of perfect people here. Or, number two, we don't take Jesus seriously because if we took him serious, there'd be a lot of eye patches and prosthetic hands in the house. Come on. Man, I'd be walking up here like Mr. Magoo with no limbs. Help me somebody. And that was just, that was sixth grade. Come on. But I think really what Jesus is doing here, because when you, when you look at this prescription, hey, if your eye's causing you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. 
I know the question because I have the question. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible. You don't have to know a lot about Jesus. But you have to look at this prescription. You have to look at this remedy. And I'm automatically like there's this pushback that says, why would I subject myself to such pain and loss? And the response of Jesus, if you missed it, is this. Is if you're walking in sin, you're already experiencing pain and loss, whether you recognize it or not. Sin is always costing us something. Sin is always stealing something from us, not walking in God's best, not rising to the occasion. It is always causing us pain and loss. You may not realize it. It may not have manifested yet. You may not have come to fruition yet. But what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is while we push back at this and say, Jesus, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Do you know how much I value my hands? I mean, do you know how valuable human sight is, much less the the object of our eye? Do you know what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying, the price of your hand and the price of your eye is nothing compared to the cost of what you're losing. He's saying, wait, 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 wait. See, you don't understand really how significant sin is because if you did, you would say, I'll give up a hand if I never have to sin again. I'd give up an eye if I don't have to lose anything God has for me. Now, see, there's something in us called self-preservation that we push back. And just so we're very clear today, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Jesus here, he is not advocating mutilation or amputation, but confrontation. What he's talking about is us kind of rising to the occasion, especially as people of faith, and confronting an issue that we already admitted that all of us have. We all struggle with temptation. We all battle sin. And ultimately what Jesus is calling us to in these verses is this, that we need to fight against the practice of sin. Can I, we're, this is church, and we're not typically a churchy church, but we're going to be a churchy church today. This is something that's not talked about enough. This is something that's not embraced enough. This is something we don't deal with enough. But we're going to be people who say we love God, who want to change the world we live in, who want to experience God's best. It's only going to happen if every single one of us in this room, that we start to fight against the practice of sin. All of us. I mean, think about, think about this for a second. Think about all the other things that we fight against in this world. Like, I'm just going to tell you, the most important person on planet Earth by far is my wife. And I fight with her. I don't win any. Come on. (laughs) But I fight with her. I love my kids more than life itself. I find myself at times fighting with my kids. I fight drivers on the road. I don't even know your name. I just don't like the way you're driving. Come on, somebody. Please help me. I, I fight, I fight with, with fast food workers at the window. I, you, I don't, if you're going to call it fast food, speed it up. Come on now. don't. don't. Listen, you called it fast food, not me. I pulled in because you called it fast food. I didn't pull in for some slow food. Come on. Here's what's crazy is if I fight with people I love like my wife and my kids and I fight over silly things like cheeseburgers and cars, isn't it time that we put up a fight against something that really matters that's causing us pain and loss and pushing us back? See, see, sin is not your friend. It's not. Now, I know it might make you feel good in the moment. I know it makes life easier at times. I know it makes decisions sometimes easier in the moment. But the reality, and again, what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is how significant, how horrific sin 
really is. So he says, man, you got to deal with it because, listen, it's costing you something. It's robbing something from you. The scripture is very clear all the way from beginning when God created him and Adam and Eve all the way through that sin kills. It always steals from us. It's always robbing from us. So Jesus says, listen, it's better to lay down a limb than to miss what God has for you. And so what he's calling us to again is that we've got to fight against the practice and he's telling us to put up a fight. And so as we step into this series today, I just want you to know what I'm calling you to. I want you to know that I'm calling us to have a hostile, a hostility towards iniquity. That we need to have this, this mentality for, to have this uh, animosity towards the atrocity of sin. Like we need to be upset with the misdeeds of, 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 of attitudes and actions. Like when we look at sin, listen, do you know this? Do you know sin killed your best friend, Jesus? That's what killed him on the cross. Sin killed Jesus. Sin dishonors your heavenly father. All of us in this room, you may not be in the place where you would possibly in conversation attribute the challenges in your life to sin. But all of us in this room, we have stories about what sin has robbed from us. Every one of us in this room, we have stories in our family. We have marriages that have been rocked by adultery and torn apart because of sin. We have families that have been destroyed because of bitterness and hatred in our heart because we're carrying sin and it's destroying our family. We have bigotry and racism in our community dividing us. And so we all suffer it. We all deal with it. All of us here in this room, we battle it. It's costing us something. What Jesus is saying is I've come to give you life. Sin's trying to take it from you. If, I want, if you want what I have for you, you've got to put up a fight. You've got to fight the practice of sin. And so if we're called to fight the practice of sin, which we are, and let's be honest, we probably don't fight the way we should or could. We've got to ask ourselves, why, why not? Why don't we? Well, Jesus, he addresses, and to me, I think sometimes it's an issue of priorities in our lives, that we don't fight the right fight, we don't fight the right way, uh, because, it's, again, it's an issue of priorities. And so Jesus tries to kind of focus our priorities in this verse. That's really what he's doing here besides calling us to a fight. Go back, he says this, notice. He says, Matthew 5, 29, the second half of this verse, he says, it's better for you to lose, come on, check this out, lose one part than the whole. He says, if you don't, it's going to cost you, oh, come on, H-E double hockey sticks, you can, only time you can ever cuss in church, one, two, three. Woo, y'all was all on board for that. I'm glad I didn't say like another word, y'all like, wow. Y'all are way too excited to cuss in church. Y'all need Jesus. That's why you're here. So notice what he says here. So these two things in, in the issues of priorities, if you're going to fight against the practice of sin, sin being a regular part of your life in how you think, how you treat people, the decisions you make, making sure that we're doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing, in order to avoid sin, we got to fight the practice of sin. And so the way we do it, notice this. I want you to just to hear this. you got to realize how long it's going to cost you. See, the reason sin is so easy is because it makes the moment easy. It makes the moment. You feel good in the moment. You get self-gratification in the moment. You can steal in the moment. You can get ahead in the moment. You can cut, the, you can cut somebody off in the moment. You can, you can gossip in the I'm saying, come on, gossip. Did gossip ever? I never put anything in my mouth that tasted so sweet as gossip. <laughs> Woo. I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and they're like, I'm going to tell you something that's gossip. And I'm like, all right, go ahead. I'll pray for you. Go. <laughs> I can't pray for them if I don't know what their sin is. Go ahead and tell me. They warned me, and I'm still all in. Come on. But here's the thing. Listen, listen, listen. What Jesus is trying to say 
is, listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't value the temporal over the eternal. If you get caught up in the moment, you won't realize that even though the sin is done, like I, I did the deed, I made the decision, it will continue to cost you. In fact, James says it's only a seed that's been planted that when it comes to fruition, it always brings death. So you might have you cheated on your wife and didn't get caught, but it's coming back. You might have cheated on your taxes and the IRS agent didn't catch you yet, but it's coming back. You might have gossiped in the back room and you didn't think anybody heard you, but it's coming back. Because that is the consequence of sin, is it always comes back, it always steals, it always causes us to experience pain and loss. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to experience pain and loss, make it count. But, so don't get caught up in the temporal. Be focused on the eternal. Realize how long you're going to pay the price of sin. It's what I, as a family, we, we avoid debt. We don't have credit cards. I constantly preach, no credit cards, no credit cards, no credit cards. Do you know why? Because you can walk in a store. At every store you go into, you can, get a, you can get a credit card at Payless anymore. You can get a credit card at Dollar General. Every time you go up and check out, they're like, would you like to apply for a credit card? Well, I got a box of milk duds, but Sure. Do you know why they want to give you credit? Because they want to have you on the hook and you be their financial slave for the next 27 years. That you bought a 99-cent box of milk does, but you paid $37.84 for it in the time you made your timely monthly payments. So what I'm trying to get my kids to understand is while you might want the car right now, you're going to pay for the car for the next six or seven years. So fight the temptation, demand right now the temporal, and focus long term. What sin does, it tries to get you to focus on the gratification of the moment and don't realize you're going to pay for a long, long way out. More importantly, I think more importantly than that is this if you're taking notes. Don't value your comfort over your call. See, I believe this with all of my heart and as a church, what we've been talking about in the beginning of this year in this series forward is that God really has something great for your life. He really has something significant for us as a church. But if you get caught up in just being comfortable, taking the easy way, listen, you're going to miss what God has for you. And so when Jesus has this conversation, he says, hey, gouge it out. Hey, cut it off. Again, he's trying to get us to understand this, this principle that it's going to cost you something. Everybody hear this. Life will always cost you something. You just have to decide who you're going to pay. In fact, you look, there's a, there's a great example of this in the Old Testament. Uh, his name is Moses. Some of you know his story. He gets raised up in, in being basically the prince of Egypt. That's what Disney calls him, so I'm going to stick with that. He's raised up as basically a stepson in Pharaoh's house. He's got the best of the best, the most comfortable bed, the best food, all the authority he could ever want. He's dressed to the nines. He's rolling deep in the chariot of the day. But he knows he's got a call on his life to not, be, to not be a child of Pharaoh, but to be a child of God. And he has to choose. And at the end of the day, it's going to cost him either to leave the palace or stay in the palace. It's always going to cost you something. Every decision you make will cost you something. And so here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. It says he chose, he ultimately made a decision. He chose to share the oppression of God's people Instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better. Everybody shout better. Better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead for a greater reward. See, you're always going to be paying prices and making sacrifices. I'm just saying, let's make it count. 
in, in being the person that God's called me to be and being on this platform, there's decisions I have to make. There are things that I, come on, listen, there are, I've had to walk away from things. I've had to let go of things. Well, I'm just telling you, listen, it felt good, but I'm just telling you, in order to be who God's called you to be, sometimes you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Sometimes you're going to have to let some things go. Sometimes you're going to have to make the right call, even when it's not the easy call, because to live in the high call that God has on your life means you're going to have to make some decisions that honor God. And sin, while it may not rob you of heaven because Christ is your Savior, it will always rob you of your call. Anybody here want what God has for their life? Then you got to fight sin because sin is going to constantly fight you. And if it can't rob, if the devil can't keep you from heaven, he'll keep you from your call. Christ made it sure, like we're in. You want to feel good today? Jesus made it possible for us to go to heaven. He took the price of sin. But we're still battling. We're still fighting it. And so Jesus steps up and says, man, you have to realize that sin is a real issue. you got to fight it. You have to fight it. You have to fight it. And there's a scripture right after, right after this. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, many of you know, is it's called the Hall of Faith. And it's listing all of these incredible people that did incredible things for God. And you get through Hebrews chapter 11, and then this verse hits you in the face. Hebrews chapter 12, watch this. In your struggle against sin, everybody say my struggle. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You know what he's saying? You ain't for real. You're not serious about the fight. What does it cost you? Man, I want to serve God. I, man, I want, to, I want to live a life that pleases God. I want to, man, I really want to honor God with my life. Really? Ha, ha, has it cost you anything yet? Now, again, this goes back to, this is, not, this is not a conversation of mutilation or amputation. But they're using this hyperbolic speech. They're using these big terms like, you can just look at your life. When you read the Hall of Faith, when you read about Jephthah, when you read about Gideon, when you read about Noah, they all paid tremendous prices. They all made sacrifices in the right direction. It was costing them something to live for God. God's saying it's going to cost you something rather than pay sin, pay to make the hard call that you can live in the high call. And so, like, you, you can't say, let me just, let me just talk for real for a minute. You can't say that you want to overcome pornography Oh, yeah, that's a real deal in the church. 87% of men who call themselves born-again believers struggle with pornography. Nine out of ten. Women, too, by the way. It's only 86%, I think. You can't say you want to overcome pornography and not be willing to have some kind of filter on your device and be willing to be accountable to brothers to show them what really is in your history. Oh, that'll cost you something. Oh, I want to be free from pornography. Well, put up. You can't want to be free from sexual sin and keep hanging out with your girlfriend at her house when nobody's home because you know what's going to happen because I know what's going to happen. See, nobody wants to talk plain in church. You can't want to overcome greed and not be a giver because that's how you fight greed is by being a giver. It's going to cost you something. You can't overcome addiction. Some of you hear about addiction. You can't overcome addiction and keep hanging out with the same people in the same places. You're going to have to sacrifice some relationships, sacrifice some people, sacrifice some habits, sacrifice some attitude. But God says if you'll cut it off, if you'll gouge it out, you'll walk in a freedom and a call that most people don't experience because they're not willing to pay the price that they're paying anyways, just not the right price. So here's the question. I think where it leads us, at least for a few more minutes, because I'm honest. Sometimes I fight. 
Sometimes I don't. Sometimes even when I fight, I still lose. So just for a few more minutes, no matter how hard I fight, sometimes I fail. Then what? See, the call that Jesus is calling us to in, in this radical prescription, gouge out your eye. It's better to lose an eye than lose your call, lose your eternity, lose your salvation, lose your hope. An eye is wonder, a wonderful thing, but is it, is it worth all that? If your hand's causing you to sin, then cut it off. Because while a hand is valuable, is it worth everything that God has for you? Is it worth your marriage? Is it worth your family? But here's the reality is, <laughs> I, I, I can't hold my hand accountable for causing me to sin. And I can't hold my eye accountable for causing me to lust. And I can't hold my feet accountable for taking me places I shouldn't go. If you want to look at the issue, don't look at my hand, look at my heart. Because the real issue is the heart. In fact, just before the verses we read, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you've heard the command, what the commandment says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, come on, every voice here, read this. But I say, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here's what he's saying. He's saying a blind man can still lust. A man with no hands can still steal. Because it's not whether they physically reach over and take the thing. It's not whether they climb in bed with the woman that they're not married to. He's saying it all starts in the heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So here's what I want you to know today is, listen, guys, this is such a big deal. Is Jesus is saying it's not really all the things. You can, you can cut off all the feet you want and still be a sinner. You can cut off all the hands, gouge out all the eyes, and you're still going to have problems because Jesus taught this in Matthew 15, 19. Come on, read it. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality. There it is, theft, lying, slander, and on and on. He's saying it's all from the heart. And so if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. While, while you can fight the battle, you can't fix the issue. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't fight. See, that's, what, that's the challenge with the New Testament American church is we're just all like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just forgiven. Bumper stickers. I never claimed to be perfect, just forgiven. Well, you know what Jesus called us to? Be perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect. Real talk. Be holy like God is holy. So he's saying, like, aim for the stars. If you don't hit it, we're about to get there. If you don't hit it, at least you aim for it. At least you strive to live a life for God's best. At least you strive to live a life that honored God. At least you fought against the thing that Jesus fought against. Fight the fight. Fight against sin. We need to fight against the practice of sin and have faith for the penalty of sin. Because in this radical talk that Jesus is saying, hey, gouge out your eye. Cut off your hand. Later on, he says, in fact, cut off your foot. In this radical talk that Jesus is having, again, it's not this advocation of, of self-mutilation. It's not. This is the first, whether you can see it or not, this is the first grace talk Jesus ever gave. Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5. It's the first grace talk. He's trying to drive us to this place where, like, after we cut it all off, I'm still a sinner. 
Like after I've made all the extreme sacrifices, like I lay in bed at night and realize I still blew it. I still made the wrong call. I still struggle with that thought. What Jesus is trying to get you, he's saying, take the most radical measure you can take to not be a sinner. You know what you'll find out? You're still a sinner. Don't not fight. But when you fought all you can fight, at the end of the day, you're going to realize you're still a sinner. Billy Sunday, I love, I didn't read this, I want to give you this. Billy Sunday, he was an evangelist, he said this. He said, listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. I'm like, whoo, that's some fire. That's some fire right there. So ultimately what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that people that are always like religion's not the answer. Because when you come to the place that you've done all you can do, you're going to realize there's still something broken in you. And that's where we come back to Christ. It's the first grace message because he's trying to get us to understand you should fight against sin. But when you fought all you can and still fail, you don't turn back to yourself. You turn to a God of grace. And that's where Jesus offers to heal the human heart and restore broken relationship. So it's this... It's really, for me, this prescription is so, it's like that medicine that it's the nastiest medicine you can put in your mouth, but it makes you feel good. Gouge out my eye, cut off my hand, live a life of sacrifice, really, really fight against sin, really, really start walking away from unhealthy conversations, really, really have the battle. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to treat that person that way. I'm not going to live this life any longer. I'm going to put that away. I'm going to cut it off to live that life. That's our call. But when we have fought all we can fight and we fail, we turn to Christ. And so I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you're in church and you call yourself a Christ follower, but honestly, you've kind of let go, you let go of the reins. Like, you just kind of live whatever because, man, Jesus loves me and I'm forgiven and I'm going to heaven. Yes, Christ made it possible to go to heaven. But you don't have to wait to get there to experience it. You can experience all that God has for you and all that he died for you to have right now. But it comes at the consequence of choice. And you'll lose it at the consequence of choice. So I want to pray for you today that if you're here in this place and you've not been fighting, that you're going to take the prescription of Jesus. You're going to take your medicine and you're going to start to fight. You're going to fight whatever battle you're fighting, whatever, whether it's greed or lust or hate, bitterness, whatever it is that's in your life, whatever thing you keep coming against, that you're going to fight it. And when you have fought all you can and you still fail because you will, because I will, we're not going to have to carry the penalty of it. That's when we turn to Christ and we find grace and we find forgiveness. And so all across this room, will you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you today and I pray in Jesus' name that God, we would hear this radical prescription to overcome sin. That Lord, we can see and experience far less of the mess of sin in our lives if we'll just fight. In your strength, Lord, we can begin to overcome. So Lord, I pray God, call people to task. I pray, Father, we're gonna to begin to fight against all the issues that we battle and struggle with in our heart and our life. Father, for your glory, God, we want to do this. 
But Father, I pray when we fail, when we fall short, when we miss the mark, when we still struggle and we've done all we can, Lord, I pray that we would turn to you. Because ultimately, Jesus, you came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, help us fight the fight and help us turn to Christ. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. 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 Come on, let's give Jesus some love here today.